And now, welcome to Like a Boss. Insights with influencers, creatives, online entrepreneurs, and badasses like you. Here is your hostess, Heather Havenwood, Chief Sexy Boss, helping you rise to the top. Are you a coach, consultant, small business owner, or online entrepreneur? Do you want to significantly grow your business, triple your list, and double your sales conversions? If the answer is yes, then launching a podcast is the next step. You see, being an expert in your field, having a website is no longer enough to be noticed in today's marketplace. I call it the influencer effect. Being an influencer is the key. You see, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And having your own podcast helps people to connect with you. If you're interested in having me help you launch your own podcast, grow your influence, and promote your business, then go to InfluencerGrowthFormula.com. That's InfluencerGrowthFormula.com. And let me help you rise to the top. Hey everyone, this is Heather Havenwood. Okay, this is going to be an amazing podcast, uh, Like a Boss, Insights with Influencers, Entrepreneurs, and Badasses Like You. If you're listening or watching on video, this is going to be amazing. If you're listening to my podcast on iTunes, Roku, iHeart, Spotify, the 17 National Syndicate Radio shows around the country, this is going to be a really good show. So I have Amy Waterman on. How are you, Amy? Hello, Heather. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. We have a lot to talk about today. I hope we get through it all because I, I want to rock the world with this interview. This is going to be a really good interview because you and I have had some really awesome chats in the background about this wonderful topic. Um, and I'm just going to share with you who she is in the world and then we're going to dive in. This is something that she doesn't talk about all at all either. So that's even better. I think that you haven't really talked about this in the world out there, you know, you just kind of privately and doing some work, um, energetically on it. So this is going to be really awesome. So I'll tell you who she is. Amy Waterman is the host of yourbrilliance.com. Her dating and relationship advice has been featured in over a dozen eBooks and online courses. She's been writing for women since 2005, focusing on the way in which the latest scientific research has totally transformed our understanding of love and relationships. Her latest book is the pleasure principle, which she, which teaches women to follow their pleasure towards more health, happiness, and love. Cool. So let's talk about it. So one of the things that you and I talked about in our interview was bringing the sexy back. We're bringing the basic boss back into sexy, right? Yes. So let's just start out. So gender roles have been breaking, been breaking down slowly over time, but there's one place where the gender police are completely unforgiving of any stepping outside of gender roles. And that's what I do. It's mm. dating advice. In dating advice, the gender police tell you, if you are not feminine as a woman, he won't want you. If you, man, are not masculine, she's not going to be attracted to you because you're going to be a beta male, and women don't like beta males. And if a woman's too masculine, men will feel like they're with another man, and they're not going to want you. Mm-hmm. Gender police. And so you know what? These gender police have been telling men to be a certain way and women to be a certain way since Victorian times. Mm -hmm. This advice that men have to be men and women have to be women 
dates back to some of, there are people out there who love the Victorians. I don't think they were very evolved. So they're not really people we want to be taking advice to. And what's, what I want to share with you today is that the latest, most cutting edge research points to the fact that women, our masculine energy is going to do amazing things in our love life. Men, your feminine energy is going to make you happy for the rest of your life. Mm. Everything that we've learned is wrong. So let's talk about this for a second. Let's go personal for a second because, you know, it's my show and I get to do that, right? <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that I've been, I've been doing dating coaching recently. I've actually hired dating coaches and things like that recently um, the last six months because I had a huge breakup two years ago. And then I had another one um, six, eight months ago. Mm. And one of the things that I realized in the dating coaches is it was very gender police. Like you need to be this way, you pull back, pull back, pull back, pull back. And that's like telling, you know, how do you say that? It's, it's like telling water to go back into the well or something. You know, it's like, how do you do that? I'm like, how do I pull back and not be this way? It's like, if they don't like me, then who they are, then they're never going to, then they're never going to like me. What is it? What, how do I do it? Pull back so much that once they get to know me and like me, then all of a sudden I kind of jump out at them. And I am so, let me just take this moment for, for a second on my show. I am so sick and tired of telling people to chill out and calm down and don't be that way and don't and be nicer and be sweeter and be lovinger and be, let me be me you know let me be me trump's being him howard stern's being him you know madonna's being her stop telling me i need to be a certain way if you don't do this no one's gonna love you heather i've been told that since i was seven and more recently oh. than not ever or my favorite is Oh, he's scared of you. That's my latest. I, I had a, someone I, I dated this last summer. The number one thing someone told me, they said, well, he, you scare him. I'm sorry. Excuse me. How, I scare him. He slept with me. We slept together and, and I scare him. What is that? Boo. Like, I don't know what that means. Boo. Like, Heather, I want to say something right now. And I that is it's ridiculous. They're not just putting you down. Those people giving you that advice. They are putting men down. One of the things that's really changed my thinking is looking at how patronizing dating advice for women is towards men. You know what? There are so it's, many good guys out there. There are so many guys who want love and marriage. What is that? I mean, what is, is that what you're saying? Like, if, you, if, if, if he's scared of you, so you need to pull back. I'm like, no, he needs to step up. Or are you telling me he's such a pansy that he can't step up? I, I think it gives men an out to say they can't step up. And you're right. They're like you said, they, they are patronizing the, the men. They're saying, Oh, you're not strong enough to handle her, which is absolutely crazy. So I want to quickly, buddy. And so I have so much to talk about, but I want to talk about female led relationships. Now that okay. term is, is, is a bit of a kinky term, but, but there's a wonderful woman called Tierica Patterson who's invented loving female led relationships. And they are relationships in which there is an explicit agreement that the relationship exists to make her happy. The whole relationship is about making her happy. And you know what? That is one of the most popular topics on my website, on my show, because men want to make women happy and they love being told how to do it. They, they, nothing makes them happier than to put a smile and know that their woman is satisfied. Men are good people. They are good people and dating advice 
doesn't recognize that. So dating advice, basically, I mean, I did the other side for many years. Many know that I did the dating advice for men. However, after I started getting into the business where I was like really trying to help men, I was really trying to help men. What I realized the only way to make money in that business, right? There's a difference sometimes of helping and making money. And uh, I only realized that the, the only way to make money in that business was to really sell dick pills. I mean, that's what I, I, I basically ended up just being a dick pill pusher because they didn't really want to learn relationships and understanding and communication. What on my list was anyway, I'm not saying all men. Um, what I realized is that, and I think a lot of that has to do with, and tell me what you think of this is that I think the pressure of understanding relationships has been on women. So many times if relationships don't work, men are like, I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't know she was unhappy. And they kind of do this thing because I have it that men don't want to understand the mechanics of it. Right. So all that pressure to understand relationship falls on the female. What do you think of that? So this is really interesting. This is where it comes to men. Your femininity is the key to your happiness. So the Gottman Institute has done some of the top, most, most amazing research on what makes marriages last. And the number one thing that determines whether a marriage will succeed or fail mm -hmm is the man's ability to accept influence from his wife. And we could call that okay, let's stop his let's emotional say, intelligence. Let's, let's say that again. Let's, let's say that again. Yes. Repeat that. That was beautiful. Say that again. The number one, so this is the Gottman Institute, very solid research. The number one thing that determines whether a relationship or a marriage, excuse me, will succeed or fail is the man's ability to accept influence from his wife. So when she says, honey, this isn't working for me. Could we fix this? He's like, tell me more, right? Marriages fail. When she says, comes to him and says, honey, this isn't working for me. He's like, deal with it. I don't have to do anything you say. You know, I'm a man. What are you bothering me with this stuff? Marriages fail. So it, this is also backed up in additional research that has found Relationships where there's strict gender roles, where the man is dominant and in charge of his family, and he says, and the woman's like, okay, honey, and I'm going to take care of all the children, I'm going to take care of us. Those marriages aren't happy. Mm -mm. They're just not happy. And what's worse, they don't have very good sex either. No, they don't. They don't. <laughs> so they don't. the key to the happiness in marriages, and I, I've had a lot, I've had people, you know, mark me as spam because I've said this in newsletters. The man is key to the relationship. He is the key to the relationship and not, not his testosterone, not his ability to be a provider, not his height. It's his emotional intelligence and his willingness to work with the woman he loves to create a happy marriage, marriage or relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's just not as marriage, that's relationship, that's partnership, that's connection. Mm -hmm. So let's, I really want to talk about this, bring boss back into sexy, which is you and I have been talking about. Woo so let's talk about so, let's go there. Yes. So this is for the ladies. Ladies, ladies. you have been told that you must be feminine Ugh. and that it is your feminine energy that will attract him to you and give you a great sex life and make you live happier ever after. And guess what? It's not. I'm so sorry. It's actually your masculine energy and they've been lying to you and I'm really, really sorry, but we're going to fix that today. So feminine energy. Do you need more of it? Answer this question. Are you female? Yes. Do you like being female? Yeah. You've got feminine energy. <laughs> You've got all of it. You no, need. I'm good. Because you love being a chick. I love being female. Oh my God. I love, I love you. That's all I need, right? Yeah. You are yeah, filled up to the brim with feminine energy. I love it being feminine. I do. I love my wearing pink 
and I love my little thing in my lashes and my blonde hair and like my rings and all my stuff. I mean, I love that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? I'm going to let you finish what you're saying, but I, I want to show everyone in the audience that they can't, if they're podcasting, they can't see this one second. I'm going to grab something because you can see it. This is my dominatrix whip. <laughs> oh yeah, I have it. So first of all, I have it for my clients because sometimes I get bad. But it's also to remind me of like, this is me, but the, the, the dominatrix is a negative connotation to dominatrix in, the, in, in Hollywood. The actual, the actual, if you really study BDSM and things like that, it, and I'm, I'm going to bring this back to you and uh, what you think of it is dominatrix is actually serving, you know, the strong energy, the masculine strong energy of dominatrix is actually serving and really being supportive of and, and being accountable of. And I always think of really good moms, you know, who are like taking care of the family and making sure everything's handled. And they're really being the dom, but they're also being like this massive space of love and contribution in the dream. But just in case any of my clients get upset, you know, or get, or become little snots, I have my little dominatrix with them. So go back. That is fantastic. So no, I mean, we could, we could go. So I want to quickly talk about, let's just talk about sex since we're on it. Yeah. Um, So where does a woman's sex drive comes from? Does it come from her femininity and her surrender and her sexuality? Well, actually, if we look at the hormonal level, it comes from her masculine energy because Mm -hmm. a woman's sex drive is driven by testosterone, just like a man's sex drive. So it is your masculine energy that is responsible for your desire. Now, one of the interesting things is we often hear that women are to look beautiful and to, to fall into his arms and don't want that anymore. So, and I don't know whether this is a result of me too, or it's a result of just how culture is changing. Men are tired of being the pursuers and the people who desire women. You know what they want? Mm. They want to be the objects of desire. This is a research study of 72% of college age men Men want women to initiate sex and they want to feel desired. Mm. Your desire, that masculine testosterone driven rawr, that turns him on. So let's just talk about sexual polarity for a second. Okay. I heard this myth. And this is proposed, this is, I blame David Data for it. And if you look at David Data and look at his credentials. Oh, you blame him? Oh, that's person. interesting. Really? So he's probably not someone I would, I would follow. So Rumi, I'm, I'm, I'm very much into research and hard data. I'm not into popular psychology and that's David Data. So David Data got this idea that you need to have sexual polarity to create chemistry. You've got to have a masculine and a feminine. And usually the man is masculine and the woman is a feminine. That's- and if you have those two poles, yeah. you'll have chemistry. But if you don't. If you have too masculine or if you have too feminine, you won't have chemistry. This is what has caused so many of us women to be afraid to go on a date with our desire leading the way. We're like, I need to sit here and respond to him and be in my feminine. Otherwise, I'll challenge him and I'll come in with my masculine. He won't like me because he'll think I'm a man. BS. Complete and total BS. So I'm going to assume the people listening have had sex. I'm going to assume you, Heather, have sex. I've had sex. You know how hot sex is when you both come in with your masculine energy. You're like, I want you. He's like, I want you. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's hot. <laughs> oh my God. Masculine energy is to like, now let's go tantric for a second. Mm. Oh, oh I'm surrendering. Oh, he's surrendering. We're both so sensual. Oh my God, that's sexy. But two feminine poles. Oh my God, that's sexy. So this is BS. There's got to be a masculine and a feminine. That's no. interesting. I think we so. I'm not having sex 
if you think that's the only way to have it. Yeah. Let me talk about that for a second. So, um, I'm doing a lot of work in the Tantra field recently, personally, on a private level. And you're right. When there's a surrender of on both sides, even, even like a, both surrendering of there's a play that happens. That's very beautiful, but there's also the masculine masculine can be a lot of fun as well, but there could also be that polarity. And I've read David Data's stuff, at least the, the superior warrior. I think that's yeah, very superior man. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there's some truth in that. Like there's some truth inside of the book around what, what I heard, cause the book is geared towards men. And I read the book and I've read a lot, I've read a lot of books geared towards men, the dating game. I read that one. Um, that one made me like cry. It was really negative towards women. Um, but, uh, what I realized is that it's almost like they're teaching men how to step up and be men. But what I've realized is that inside of a relationship and a lot of the studies I've been working on, tell me what you think of this is like the more men like lean back, not, not like be lazy. That's different. There's a leaning back and giving the, the female lion space to be herself. The more, I don't know, the, the better the relationship. What do, what do you say to that? That's my own take. I am not an expert at this at all. So let's talk about sex again. I love talking about sex. So um, men, you need to read Ian Kearns. She comes first. Women, you need to read Dr. Laura Mintz, Becoming Clitorate. Because say him again. Is, say, say him again. You want to yeah, go. Becoming Clitorate for women, and she comes first for men. Because one of the things we've discovered is that for men, when we slow down sex and we make it feminine, we make it less performance oriented, we make it less genital oriented, we make it more sensual, the sexual experience is so much better for both people. So one of the really interesting things that is coming out of, um, so when I was in college, I graduated in college in 1998, the structure of the clitoris was discovered in 1998. So if you had your sex ed, before 1998? I did, raising my hand. You have no clue well, what's that. inside a woman's genital area. Because, and, and literally, this is so, I'll just have to do a quick aside. The Grey's Anatomy is the classic textbook for the medical field. And in 1948, the editor of the 25th edition of Grey's Anatomy removed the clitoris from the diagrams. I didn't anatomy. know that. Really? So there's... The medical field has had an issue with the clitoris. I'll just say that. They, 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 1998? That was just what, 21 years ago. So before men, and this is for men too, you know this, we thought the clitoris was a button, right? It's that little tiny, no, 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 no. It's an iceberg. It like reaches way back there. And there's a fantastic, uh, people who want to look up it online, um, the Huffington Post has done something called a project called Clitoracy that's by Sophia Wallace, the artist Sophia Wallace, to try and teach you a little bit about what the actual structure is in there. Women have 8,000 nerve endings devoted to pleasure down there. That's twice as much as men, which means that we were built for sexual pleasure more than men. Okay, Why would we have multiple on. orgasms? Let's we, stop right there. Amy, for pleasure. Amy, Amy. Okay. All right. So I want people to really get this right because we as women are designed for pleasure of our like 
we are designed for pleasure. I want to people to really hear that men and women, women to say, yes, you are designed for pleasure. It's okay to have pleasure. It's your job to have pleasure. That is where you get your power, sexual transmutation, chapter seven, think and grow rich. That is where you get your sexual transmutation power and life force through your own pleasure, right? Yes. Even given to yourself or given through a partner or given through a device, whatever. We are designed to pleasure. We are born with a clitoris to pleasure. That is so key. And I, I would back, I would push on you because I don't know stats, but I think it's not double the amount as men. I think it's probably triple. I don't even know how many sensors they have or nerve endings, excuse me, nerve endings for pleasure, but I think it's a third of what we have as females. I don't know the data because I'm not an autonomous, whatever. I'm not a biologist, but I would say that that's we're having at least three times, if not four times the amount of pleasure endings. And yet we're the women here that we're the people that are constantly pushing sexuality down. So why are we doing that? The Victorians. I'm sorry. Those Victorians started off a huge because before the Victorians, let's go back to Chaucer. Let's go back to the middle ages. Let's go back to the Canterbury tales. Let's look at the tale of the Miller's wife, right? Women in the middle ages and from beyond the Greeks Women were dangerous because we were the lusty sex. We were the lusty ones who tempted men and drove them to despair. Men had to protect themselves against women's lust for sex. And, and no wonder if our bodies are built for pleasure and we can have multiple orgasms, we actually are, have higher sexual desire than men. And this has been the way throughout history until the Victorians came along and said, oh, actually, good women don't have sexual desire. But because they don't have sex, they get these problems built up called hysteria. And then they have to go to a doctor and the doctor has to masturbate them. But, but we won't talk about that because, of course, you know, that was where the first vibrators were invented, were Victorian doctors to relieve hysteria in, in women in sexless marriages who were told that because they were female, they couldn't have any desire whoa, we're still dealing with that good girls don't have desire. Well, I'm sorry. But until throughout the, the whole sweep of history, we're the hot and sexy ones that men have to protect themselves against. Now, I'll show you another reason why this is true. Monogamy, right? Mm -hmm. Today, there's a lot of people who tell you monogamy is the way women want relationships. Women are marriage-minded people who want to be in monogamous relationships. And we're like the monogamy police. You know, you can't cheat. You've got to stay true to me. Why was mon monogamy invented? I don't know. It's because there's all these horny women who wanted to sleep with other men and the men had to stop the women from sleeping around. So they invented mon monogamy. We know this because we know that monogamy did not stop men from cheating. The only purpose of monogamy throughout the sweep of history was to keep the lustier sex, us women, from cheating. Mm-hmm. That's actually really interesting because there's such there's such a more focus on men cheating than women. I don't know the stats of, of women cheating inside of monogamous or marriage relationships. Um, I, I don't know the stats on that. I have no idea one way or the other. I think more of the focus has been on men cheating mm -hmm. than women. Um, I do think that what happens after women having kids, their focus and attention go to the children. So in many cases and, men, I think in, in the 
perspective of what I've seen and, and heard and what I've read, that's the time when men sometimes cheat. And that's a lot because they're not getting their sexual energy at all from the woman because the woman's such in the nurturing space of like building a family and children and all that. I'm not saying it's right or wrong or indifferent, but I think that there is something to be said by that. So, I mean, what, how do you bring the boss back into sexy today? I mean, what... <sighs> I mean, that's a weird question. I don't even know what to question to ask you. That then, just like, how in the hell do we move into the next phase? Because you're right. Look, I'm I'm one of those people. I'm feminine. I like sexy things. I enjoy sexy things. I am a sexy woman. I have a high sexual energy, but I am very direct. And so, I think one of the challenges that people have a hard time handling that. And I'm learning to be softer or whatever. But in the world of of dating per se. I have been told so many times this gender role, you know, Heather, I remember this one particular person said, I could hear him going, well, Heather, you know, you're a strong woman and very few men are going to be able to handle that. And I'm like, I'm not looking for a few men. I'm looking for one. I don't like there's 6 billion people on this planet. 3.5 billion are men. You're saying that one can't accept me for who I am. Like that's. So that's BS. And again, that's so demeaning to men. It is. Anytime people say men can't handle it, stop patronizing men. Men are better than you, than you make them as. So let's talk about men, and let's talk about men who've come of age in the era of video games and superhero movies. Ooh, Ask a man, okay, go ahead. who would you rather have as a partner? Marilyn Monroe, sexy as, right? Or Wonder Woman? Ooh, what would they say? Well, I don't know. We should just ask men out there. But I'll tell you what. From the popularity of Wonder Woman, I think a lot of men fantasize about I'm Wonder like Woman. both, right? It's so I think, not. I'm so she both. I'm like very Marilyn Monroe-ish, sexy, like, but I'm also- But she's a hot mess, right? You know, she's a hot mess. Yeah. Her, yeah, she was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't- Men want partners. They know they have to save the world and they want a hot chick who can kick butt next to them. Right? So men- want to be asked out by women. 91% of men, this is a match.com singles in America survey, 91% of men would be happy if a woman asked them out. 65% of men have already been asked out by a woman. They like us taking the initiative and they love it when we show that we think they're hot. So there's this whole genre of dating advice for men in the pickup community that's all about how to make the woman be the one pursuing them. This is like their goal, right? They want to be pursued by women. Why? Well, there's, a, there's something we've known for ages in psychology in interpersonal attraction, and that is people who like people who like them. That's reciprocal attraction, right? If I think you're awesome, you're going to really think I'm awesome. But if I'm like the typical woman who goes on a date and has been taught by the gender police to don't show how I feel, and he's been taught by the gender police to don't play your cards, we're going to sit there with stone faces performing our little routine of, of gender roles that we've taught. He doesn't know if I like him, and, and I don't know if he likes me, and we're going to leave like two ships passing in the dark. What if instead... I go on to a date. I'm like, man, you look fine in that suit or whatever. 
I'm like, you know, I really like your, your muscles, whatever. Yeah, I, don't I, know. Like I don't know. I like your booty. Nice ass. I like your booty, man. <laughs> Finally, he's like, oh my God, she has given permission for me to hit on her because she's hitting on me. And that's where the chemistry starts. It starts when the woman. Uh, I've recently had this conversation with somebody, a gentleman, and we talked about that, that in a weird way, it was, uh, uh, we were just having this conversation about women giving permission to men in the moment that there's a permission, like a door's opening. It's like, you know, they, there is kind of a hesitation right now. And then you have women who are being taught to be hesitant and then men are being taught to be hesitant because the whole me too movement, you know, it's like, I think, I think one of the things that a lot of women, I would encourage women to do is if you are interested in to, and guys have waiting around for him, it's like, you know, say to him, Hey, hey, I'm interested in you. I don't know if that resonates for you, but like, I'm interested in you. What do you think? See what happens if they're like, Oh, I had no idea. I've been like totally longing for you for like a year. You're like, Oh, I had no idea. You know? Cause I think men specifically nowadays, they drop hints, but they're like really subtle. Like maybe, you know, they're like these tiny little beepers beep, beep. And women are waiting. That's why when the me too movement, some of it's funny to me. I know there's a whole world around being like really sexually assaulted that I'm not, not talking about. I'm talking about like other things like, Oh, I can't believe that man like hit on me. I'm like, Oh, what a men hit a man hitting on me. Oh, I want him to do that. Like, that's awesome. Because when a man hits on me, which is like so rare now, it's not because I don't think I'm great, but they're being taught, don't hit on women. I'm more like, hit on me. Oh, thank you so much. I'm not interested in you, but you're amazing. Thank you so much for being so courageous to coming up to me and saying something. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because I, I, I want to acknowledge that and encourage that flirting. People have stopped flirting, Amy, they have stopped smiling at people and going, hi, I go to the gym and I'm sitting in the gym with 50 other men. And then there's me and the only woman. And then sometimes I drop my headphones and I look around and no one's like communicating or talking or energetically sexually looking at. And sometimes I want to just like lift up my shirt and go topless just to see if they're like still men, you know, Hey, Oh, look, you looked, you know, because they're being so taught to like put that sexual energy back into this little box. Yeah. And that's, but let's not, you know, and men can do whatever they want. Right. But, but this is where we women step up and here's one of the problems with women stepping up. So we are in a situation where me too has created men who are hesitant and, and the gender police has created women who are passive. No, not going to work. So what we need to do ladies is Find out what it means to be an agent of desire. What do I desire? How does it make me feel? And how do I communicate that desire to a man? And when we do that, the men go up. It ignites desire. So you know what? Again, we were wrong. We were told that being feminine and passive and surrendering is what creates sexual chemistry. BS. What creates sexual chemistry is our desire and our willing to own that desire and communicate that desire. It's hot. <laughs> well, how do you do that? Let's go into it. So, like, how do you go it, into communicating that desire as a woman? This is really critical because we're not yeah. taught this. I was, no. I mean, I'm a, like I've talked about this thousands of times. I was taught as a Southern woman in Houston. I was a Baptist to lean back don't go up to men, 
Don't tell them you like them, all that mm. stuff. And here you are saying we need to tap into our desire and show it. Like how in the world do you do that? It's so counterintuitive. So we, we talked about this before uh, the interview, but I wanted to mention it again. We women are taught that the way to succeed in dating is to be what men want. My job is to ask you, what do you want? I can be that thing so that you'll want me then, right? Forget about it. I really don't care whether he wants you. I actually don't care about him at all. What I care about is what you want. Can you say, I want you? Instead of, who do you want me to be? We've got to so stop vulnerable. being the passive ones, ladies. They're, that's so vulnerable for even me to say, I want you. Because I'm so trained that it's the man's job to want. And there's a good reason to be vulnerable. So one of the things that that passive feminine role has protected us from for hundreds of years is rejection. You know how much rejection the average man goes through? We have no clue as well. We have no clue, right? (laughs) No clue. So women, when you step into your masculine energy and you own your desire, you're going to find that some men aren't going to want it. And instead of, and, and this is why it's so hard for women. We've been trained to be people pleasers, right? So if a woman dares to say, I want you, and he says, no, thanks. I failed to be what he wanted. I failed to please him. I'm a failure, right? That's a problem we women have got to sort out. We've got to stop being people pleasers. It does not matter if you want him and he doesn't want you. Who cares? Who cares about him? What matters is, man, that felt awesome to be hot for that guy. Our desire is so, so amazing. So I I talked to you about this before. I've written a book, The Pleasure Principle, that's kind of starting out the foundation of some of these ideas. And the whole thrust of the pleasure principle is that we should go towards what gives us pleasure rather than away from gives us pain, what gives us pain. So in dating, what do we do? We try to avoid rejection. We try to attract all the men by being this generic view of femininity And that way we won't experience rejection and that'll be great. But that doesn't get us anywhere because what we're doing is we're, we're avoiding the pain of rejection. We're not going towards what we want. So my challenge for women who want to maybe step into their masculine on a date is all you have to do is this. You have to forget about him. You get about, forget about whether he likes you, forget about whether he's enjoying the conversation. I don't care what his experience is. I really don't care about him. I care about you. Right. And what I want you to do is to focus on what feels good. What do I want? What would make this even better for me right now? What do I want to tell him about how I feel towards him? I want you to really sit there on that date and focus on what makes you feel good. And sometimes what makes you feel good is going to be saying, I'm really sorry. I don't think this is working out. Um, you know, let's not waste any more of our time. It was nice meeting you. Goodbye. You know, sometimes you're not going to want him and you don't have to sit through that date you can leave because your only loyalty is towards your pleasure. Now, I know there's a lot of women out there who's thinking that sounds so selfish and we don't want to be selfish because men are selfish and women are, are people pleasers and that's how it's No, right? Because when I tell women to be selfish and to focus on their pleasure, I'm very conscious of the fact that I am talking to good women. And us good women, we have been so trained to self-sacrifice and to make everybody else happy that we need the selfishness as an antidote. It makes us balanced. It doesn't make us jerks. Focusing on our pleasure makes us balanced. So I just wanted to clarify that. Keep going, right? So in the world of pleasure, 
this concept of saying to someone, I desire you and I want you is so counterintuitive for women, but it's also on a uh, cultural level, very counterintuitive. So when we do that, Amy, what are we tapping into? Tell us more. Tell me more about this pleasure principle side of it. Well, you know, I want to talk, I I keep wanting to go back to talking about sex. So if you don't mind, I'm going to talk about sex a little bit. Go go for it. Like go what you want to just go. go. So I know you've read Regina Thomas Howard's Pussy, right? So that is, I think, a really good foundation for, it's a bit new agey. I find that a little bit challenging, but if you don't mind that new agey stuff, that's a real good primer in tapping into your sexual energy. So when women see themselves as sexual creatures, when we see ourselves as actually, we are the more evolved, we have more pleasure for capacity for pleasure than men, we're actually more sexual than men, that changes a lot of things. It doesn't mean that we suddenly go out and we, we have sex like a man. It says, what does having sex like a woman feel like? How do I want to have sex? Because maybe I don't want to have the kind of sex he has where it's all genital-based. Maybe I want to have full-body tantric sex. Maybe I want to have... 20 minutes of eye gazing before like so when we start thinking about these things like this stuff this starts turning us on because no longer are we having sex the way men want to have sex we're saying what do i like what feels good to me and one of the really interesting things that we found is that we found when we go back to monogamy and we go back to cheating there's an amazing book that came out last September by Wednesday Martin called untrue that's actually about women cheating and one of the amazing things we found out is that women actually suffer under monogamy. They, they lose monogamous relationships. Sleeping with only one person is harder on women than it is on men. And we think, wait a second, what? You know, surely men are the ones who, who sexual desire cannot be contained by a monogamous relation. Actually, no, the research says it's women. And how do we know this? Because studies have shown that women's desire decreases for every month they're in a relationship. And this, is, this, is, this has been proven across the board. The longer women are married to somebody, the more their desire goes down. Now, that marriage ends, that relationship ends, the woman goes back on the market, she finds someone else. Does she still have this problem with low sexual desire? Dun, dun, dun. No, she doesn't. Interesting. I mean, I'm just thinking about the people that are married right now. Like, kind of kill me. So, uh, can you talk about how to keep one's sexual desire up in a monogamous, committed, loving relationship? So, novelty matters more for women than men, right? We hear that men, no, women, we need it. And so, one of the ways that we can become this is Esther Perel has some great work on how to reconcile the erotic and the domestic, as she calls it. And one of the really interesting... The erotic and the the domestic. The erotic and the domestic. They cannot survive together. The more domestic the relationship, the more desire goes... Oh my gosh. What do you think? What do you think? Hold on. I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you. Hold on. I really apologize. I I, I apologize. Really, I do. Well, what do you think about long distance relationships? Does that create more of the sexual energy? Crazily enough... And I've seen the study. Yes. Really? So one of the ways, there's several ways, you know, to keep the sexual desire alive in a relationship. First of all, it's for the woman to own the fact she's a sexual being and that she might need a little bit more help. It's for him to read. She comes 
first by Ian Kerner and for her to read Becoming Clear. You need to know your anatomy, right? So there's a lot of new stuff that people need to learn about how to have sex to make a woman happy. But absence is a really, really powerful battery for desire, right? Mm -hmm. Think about the longer you're apart, the more your sexual charge builds in that battery, right? And when you're together, it drains away. So what this means is you've got a guy and you're texting him all day long or you're both on Facebook and you're messaging one another and you, you see what he's had for lunch on Twitter, you might be killing your sexual desire. And this is, I know, this is totally insane, right? But, but there are actually a lot of sex therapists who are not friends with their, with their spouses on Facebook and do not text them because that having, we go to work each day, we don't see each other, man, when we come home, we have a lot to talk about and we're hot for each other. But if we've been in contact all day through digital devices, well, I know what he's done all day. I don't need to talk to him, right? I haven't missed him. I haven't had the opportunity to miss him. Interesting. That's really fascinating. What I want to say right now is this stuff is cutting edge. Like what I say to people is if you are citing any research before 2010, it's outdated, right? This stuff that I'm talking about is so new. And so we can't blame the dating advice experts who are the gender police because what they're doing is they're going off 200 year old advice and they're presenting it to you like it's still valid. This stuff is so new. There's not a lot of people who are doing the research and a lot of this stuff is counterintuitive. Like who would guess that staying in touch, touch by texting could be killing your desire. If you live together or if there's a versus like a long distance or something. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay. So here, let me just ask you a question about the word flirting. I think it's an underestimated thing that people according flirting, you know, dating, each other, courting each other, getting to know each other, poking at each other. I think that there's a huge art missing with flirting mm-hmm. um, in general. And flirting can mean just smiling at a guy across the room or smiling at a woman and you never talk to them, but you're flirting. I mean, there's a desire there that I think is under, mm, it's not done as much anymore. I'm going out of my way to flirt with people, even to this, you know, at Starbucks. Hi, how are you? Like, because I think that that practice of, of flirting and having fun and just being like flirting is, is a positive thing for everybody. And people sometimes are kind of taken back by it because I think it's not because of they're, they're, uh, upset. It's more like, Oh my God, someone's flirting with me. I don't even know what to do with that. <laughs> so the best flirting, the best flirting communicates two things. Number one, it communicates. I like you, which mm-hmm. is my desire. Right. And number two, it communicates you please me. There's pleasure, right? So that double whammy, right? This is where we get sexual chemistry from. It's not polarities, masculine, feminines. I like you. I'm an agent. I'm my own agent of desire. And you please me. In your presence, I experience pleasure. Mm. That is what creates chemistry and hotness. Mm. I love the you please me. Hmm. Like imagine if I, I can't, I'm for myself, I, I have to like acknowledge myself. I can't remember the last time I've looked at a, a gentleman I've been dating and saying, you please me. Hmm. I'm sure they would love for me to say that to them um, because they want nothing more than to please a woman. But looking at a man going, you please me, what would that do for them? 
So uh, there's actually an interesting study. So this is done. By I love the- that you're so study oriented. Oh, so uh, I am. Well, let me, I'll, I'll tell you the study, but I also, uh, then I want to talk a little bit about why I keep citing these studies. So Dr. Christian Northrup is an amazing um, OBGYN who writes a lot of books on women's health. I read her book. And she cites this incredible study where there were uh, elderly couples that where the man was suffering from erectile dysfunction. So their sex lives were, were problematic. And so what they had the women do was to focus on getting more pleasure in their lives. Now, this wasn't necessarily sexual pleasure. wasn't necessarily pleasure that had the men. It was just that the women, the wives, were supposed to do things that really charged them up and made them juicy. You know, whether it was going square dancing or planting a garden or, you know, whatever these little old ladies wanted to do to make them all feel good inside, they were doing it. It cured the erectile dysfunction in the men. And, and afterwards, they, Dr. Christian Northup sums it up by saying, pleasure is virtual Viagra. Your pleasure, even if it's non-sexual, even if it has nothing to do with him, turns him on. Nothing turns him on more than watching you abandon yourself to your pleasure. Mm. So ladies, why are we trying to please our men in bed? Why? Stop it. I don't care whether he has a good sexual experience. All that matters is your pleasure. That's right. That's all that matters is my pleasure. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> that is true. Uh, because I now let me let's what can you do a because on that or the study or can you go into the why that is? Is it because so that that when a when a man has I mean I'm just curious. What's okay, the so, so there's some interesting sort of institute. So this is again going back to my book, The Pleasure Principle. Yeah. When we experience pleasure. We, we actually, there's some, there's some biochemical effects in our body. And one of those is a boost in a level of a molecule called nitric oxide. And nitric oxide is like uh, this master molecule. And what it really does is it makes the blood flow a lot smoother through our veins. So obviously when you've got great blood flow, everything's working better. And funnily enough, that's how Viagra works. It boosts nitric oxide. But an easier way to boost nitric oxide is to experience pleasure. Mm-hmm. But here's the, the, here's the thing about it. You can't store up pleasure. So you experience pleasure now. It boosts your nitric oxide. The pleasure goes away. It goes down. So just to let you know, it's not like uh, you got to keep doing it. You can't just do it once. You can't do one amazing pleasurable thing like go on a two-week vacation to Aruba and then expect to experience the benefits all year round. Daily practice of pleasure. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to bring up something totally separate. I'm going okay. to a new direction. What have you ever heard of something called sex magic? No. No. Okay. Well, that's just a term. And I, and I know when I explain to you, you're probably going to go there, but um, what I've heard about what sex magic is, is understanding that inside of a, either uh, giving oneself pleasure or being pleasured by another is actually start thinking about what you want in life during the hormonal like release and why your orgasm actually start to visualize what you want. And there's like a massive amount of energy that goes towards it. They call sex magic, but it's really kind of what you're talking about. You ever heard of that? Or do you have any studies on that? No, no studies on that. I, I, uh, but I think that does, that's very powerful. That's very, and one of those things too, ladies, you know, don't be satisfied with one orgasm anymore. Come on, ladies, multiple, multiple. 
multiple. And you know, that's again, when we look at the old sex sirens of old, like Marilyn Monroe, how many of them credited their glow to, to lots of orgasms, right? But I also want to say one thing, you know, I'm not saying for women that we need to have casual sex with men that we don't care about. What I'm saying is that, that our sexuality is something that we own and it's something that we're in charge of and it's something that we can control. So if your sexual energy is a solo endeavor, mm-hmm. that's fine. And if you're in bed with a partner who's not doing what you want, you can say no sorry, I'm done with this. I'm out. Right. So this is one of the problems with me too. What me too has done is it's challenged men to ask for consent, but it's challenged women to say no to what they don't want. And it's as much on us as it is on them. Ladies, we need to start saying no. And we also need to start giving men direction. This is what I want. Do it to me this way. (laughs) This feels great. Mm-hmm. that's the sort of stuff men want to hear. They don't want to hear, oh, I'm so beautiful. Oh, I'm surrendering into your arms. You know, come on. They like our masculine energy. They do. Let, let's go to um, Disney. Oh. Okay, ladies, hold on a second. I did not prompt her on that. And I gave her one word and she knows exactly where I'm about to go. Oh, Disney. Of course. The worst. But can I just say... Moana, Moana, Moana. What's that? Moana. So, so ever since Disney hooked up with Pixar, so I, I, I'm a Pixar fan, right? Their movies have changed. Mm-hmm. We are no longer, you know, the, the Sleeping Beauty or the Ariel losing our voice for the one we love. We are Moana. We are, you know, you will do what I say, she says to Maui. She tells Maui, that he's got to obey her. He's a demigod for God's sake. And she's ordering him around and she's a little girl. So Disney, Mm. thank you. You finally figured out what little girls want. They want to order around demigods. They don't want to fall in love with wet faced princes. But I was brought up on Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty and you know, Ariel, where she lost her voice for the man of her dreams. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I myself and other people I know have lost their voice for the man they loved. So I want to get personal here. And, and yeah. why, why is this important to me? Like, why does this even matter? Right. So I've been doing this for a long time. Right. But, but that isn't actually what matters. So I grew up in redneck America, probably 50 years behind the rest of the country in America, unfortunately, probably 50 years behind Europe. I grew up in a 1950s household where my father was the breadwinner and my mother was the homemaker. And in my community, that was the pattern that we saw. And because it's a rural area, a lot of the jobs have to do with, you know, strength and muscularity. And the men have to go out and be the breadwinner because, you know, that's the kind of jobs that are available. And the women have to stay home because life is hard and you need to have somebody to be doing the garden and the canning and the washing and being there for the kids. You've got to have those separate gender roles. So when I hear dating coaches say men should be men and women should be women, I look back to my childhood and I say, okay. So I grew up in kind of the classic 1950s culture. Were people happy? 
Was everybody happy? Was it great? Was it lovely? Was it perfect? No. The women were resentful. They were worn down. The men didn't really spend that much time with their kids, and they drank a lot. And my father, bless his heart, spent a lot of time working because why would he come home? Home was a woman's world. My mom was taking his career. He, he was out working. <sighs> People were not connecting, you know. And so when I see the research that's coming out and saying egalitarian relationships are happier and have better sex lives, I'm like, I could have figured that out. Because if my dad would have embraced his feminine and if my mother would have embraced her masculine and they would have come together as partners, maybe my childhood would be different. So, know? could you explain to people what that kind of relationship, you, you named it and what was it and what is it? So, what an egalitarian relationship is. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, egalitarian relationship means, now this is, this is great. So, one of the myths about women that's very degrading to women is that women want men who are powerful and rich and tall, right? <clears throat> so the Pew Research Center, which I love because they do tons of the most cutting-edge research, came out and, and women don't really care about how much he earns because we can earn our own money now, right? And men actually, men really like it when women earn more than them. 80% of men would love to have a spouse that earns a lot more than them. And a third of marriages right now, the woman earns a lot more. So, you know, guys, guys want women who earn money. Women want men who are emotionally intelligent. So what's the most important two traits in a future spouse, according to the research? Is it wealth? Is it femininity? Is it beauty? Is it, um, you know, care and compassion? Mm. Both men and women. We want partners who care about us and who are compassionate. Mm-hmm. So in an egalitarian relationship, it's a relationship where uh, obviously there's jobs to do, but they figure out on their own who's going to do which jobs based on their likes or dislikes. Those roles are not fixed. One of the real uh, key parts of an egalitarian relationship is that um, the roles are fluid. So like for a while, maybe he's the one who takes the car in for the oil check. Now she wants to do it because her schedules have changed. It doesn't really matter because they're not stuck in the generals. Nobody has to be anything. They choose what they're going to be. Now, obviously, when we think about that, that takes a lot of communication because the great thing about those old gender roles that I saw in the community I grew up with, nobody had to talk about them. He knew what he was supposed to do. She knew what she was supposed to do. They never had to talk. Today, Good relationships, everything gets talked out. Everything gets negotiated. He accepts influence from her. He doesn't say, well, I'm the man, so I have to do it this way. No, no, no. They talk about, and they care about each other, and they feel when each other is hurting. That's what makes a successful and sexy relationship. A successful and sexy relationship. That is, well, that's where we have to wrap it up, but um, that's, what everyone wants. I think that's what I want, right? A sexy and successful relationship. That's your next book, by the way. I know you have like no books in you, right? But sexy and successful relationships. Well, heck, I would be willing to co-write that one with you, my dear. That would be fantastic. That would be awesome. Okay, done. We will call the agent.
in just a minute. Um, sexy and successful relationships, I think is a really critical piece. And I love the fact that you're helping people bring the boss back into sexy. And that's the name of the show today. And that what you're creating, I absolutely adore you on how you're so into research. And I love the fact that you went against David data. That is awesome. Like <laughs> You have no idea how I'm like, whoop, whoop. Um, oh. Cause there's so many things with specifically not just killing him, just that there's a, he represents a world there that you and I are very familiar with. There's other people inside that world, right? So he represents that cause it's kind of a, a bigger name in that space than a lot of them. So, um, there's a genre or there's like a particular way of looking at viewpoints of, of, of men. Um, and I don't think it's healthy. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm kind of pointing to. I think that's what you're pointing to as well. And I love the fact that you're talking about this and sexy and successful relationships, which I probably should name it that. Um, I mean, thank you. And before we get uh, just last words of where can they find you, but more importantly, like last words of someone's listening going, girlfriend, how do I, <laughs> where do I even start getting, you know, where do I, where can I start? Give the names of the books again and your book as well. So we can. Yeah. So I can sum up everything in one sentence. Okay. Your pleasure matters more than his. Mm. And that's tough. And I totally understand if there's people, especially men out there listening now, people who say, I don't like that. And I understand that it sounds wrong and something sounds wrong. It just does not sound right. Just think about it. I'm not saying that everybody has to do it this way. I'm not saying that this is right. I'm saying I spent the last three months looking at the data and this is the only conclusion I could come to. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. So you can find me at yourbrilliance.com. There's, uh, I do lots of writing. I do videos, interviews with experts. I do lots of stuff. But what I'd really like you to do is to come and check out my free gift. I'm giving away a free chapter of my book, The Pleasure Principle. Uh, sorry, guys. This is just for women. And you can get it at yourbrilliance.com slash free dash gift. So come on over. Check this out. See if your pleasure could change your life, could lead you in a new direction, and could turn on men in ways your femininity never could. Mm. Oh, that's really hot, actually. Um, I love that. The, the, say this statement again about pleasure. Your pleasure matters more than his. When I think of that, I think of... Um, happy wife, happy life kind of thing. Um, but I like how you state it better because it's really about pleasure, not just doing what she tells you to do, which is where sometimes men, I think, um, uh, put that category when they hear that it's more about her pleasure and what she's, um, desiring and wanting and, um, all that. So I love what you're doing. It's a Amy Waterman. You can find her at yourbrilliance.com forward slash free dash gift. Please go check it out. Amy, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for the deep, awesome conversation. I absolutely adored you um, and go, willing to go there in places that a lot of people aren't willing to go. So thank you for that. Everyone, this is Heather Havenwood. Check me out at heatherhavenwood.com. This is Like a Boss, insights with influencers, entrepreneurs, and badasses like you. Check us out at iHeart, Spotify, 
iTunes, Google Play, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. All right, everyone, this is Heather Havenwood. Bye. Are you a coach, consultant, small business owner, or online entrepreneur? Do you want to significantly grow your business, triple your list, and double your sales conversions? If the answer is yes, then launching a podcast is the next step. You see, being an expert in your field, having a website is no longer enough to be noticed in today's marketplace. I call it the influencer effect. Being an influencer is the key. You see, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And having your own podcast helps people to connect with you. If you're interested in having me help you launch your own podcast, grow your influence, and promote your business, then go to InfluencerGrowthFormula.com. That's InfluencerGrowthFormula.com. And let me help you rise to the top. Thank you for listening to Like a Boss, helping you rise to the top. Join Heather's Mastermind at InfluencerTribe.com, where she helps you become an influencer and dominate your field. Follow Heather Havenwood on Instagram. Interested in interviewing or scheduling a call with Heather? Go to CallWithHeather.com. For more, go to HeatherHavenwood.com.